Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. your name, Traveler. I am Sir Joe of the Shire. And who might you be, good sir? I am the security today at the front of the UCM. I am also a goat man. Oh, yeah, I see that with your horns. Prove your identification or be dispatched. I need no identification, for my sword and shield define me as who I am. Uh, yeah, hi, hi, I'm Zan Peters. Here's my, uh, here's my lanyard. Here's my, uh, card key. Thank you very much. I'll see you inside, Joe. Ah, okay. I guess I gotta do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, I've been you in really character. You really wanted to sword fight the goat man? Well, I'm, my, my character does. I can't. I'm not that person, but, you know. I'm not gonna, I don't have, I don't well, owe them well, anything, roll, Sam. Roll, roll for initiative to find your pass in your pocket and uh, let's go yeah. inside. Let me, uh, hold on one second here. Let me just get my dice out and. All right, that's a one. So I'm just gonna get the pass and go because I don't really feel like failing. Wait, a one? Uh, yeah, how did, how did you fail that hard? I guess, I guess I have failed at getting things out of my pocket. It happens. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. when you, you reach in for your wallet and then you just throw it. Like across mm. the room, <laughs> you know, as you do. <laughs> yes. Well, wow! Look at all the nerds that are here today. Uh, oh, my it is, yes, it is a sea of <laughs> larpers, as everyone can see. Uh, we are uh, at the Uncanny County Museum hosting this year's Uncanny Valley D and D larping mm-hmm. convention. Yeah, it's super exciting. Love having everybody here. We got uh, non-alcoholic beverages. I think there's a tavern over there that's serving alcoholic beverages. You know, all age groupings mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. People in cosplay, costumes. The goblin at the bar cards. Yes, actually. that's. I mean, that's what you need. You know, there's some cool music going on, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. It's really a tone setter here. Yeah, I, yeah. Feel, I, I love playing I, some D&D, so mm-hmm. I'm having a blast. Oh, yeah, no. I, I, like, I like to imagine if I played... D&D, I would be a bard. I, mm-hmm. I like to picture myself walking around with a mandolin. What would your D&D name be? Oof. Um, my D&D name? I mean, Zan is already... I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. Wait, um, wait you could be Zanford E. Man. Zanford E. Man. Yes. Yeah. Um, Zanford E. Manson. Um, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco, the traveling bard. It's perfect. There you go. Yes, yes. Um, I, I don't play that many songs on the mandolin. Um, I did bring that as part of my costume, uh, but mm-hmm. all I can really play is uh, "It's Time" by Imagine Dragons and ah, the, nice. the band's version of Atlantic City. Okay, I mean that's all you really need to know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What What about you? What's your D and D persona? Because you've actually play D more than me i have that's fair i 
I don't know. I mean, I've gone by so many of them. Like, I usually would try to go with, like, a ranger if I could. That's always the thing I've, like, grafted myself towards. But out of the times I've played and the characters I made, I played a human fighter once. I was average Joe because I rolled mm. average stats. And then I made a... I made a character that was a barbarian, a barbarian Goliath, mm. which was just this nine foot tall giant um, who was super cool. And that was really fun because I had a big axe uh, and I got to wow. throw stuff, which was fun. <laughs> but I usually don't play like, because I, I, like sometimes you get into it and you want to play something completely different from your like comfort zones. Um, but in all honesty, I was a lot of the times the person who was DMing because no one else could do it. So I did it because mm. I and ended you, up. You, you like to build a world. You I like, do. I, yeah. I, I could see you as that. I mean, like, did the was the Goliath thing like not different enough for you? Did like you roll bad uh, eyesight and the giant still wears glasses like you? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. Like, like, I would say I made a character that would like could very well be someone in a book that wasn't my own mm. persona, I guess. Mm. That's why my like. That would be like an example of a character that I built later on when I started understanding that like you don't have to be you in D&D. You can be like you're building a video game character. But when I played right. my average Joe character, it was mm -hmm. me with a sword and much gotcha. buffer, right? You know, gotcha. it was like ex-soldier background. I, I'm not a soldier, but you know, uh, that was mm -hmm. what I had. And then like right, used right. a great sword and it was, that was probably the best experience I ever had playing the game. And it was my first mm -hmm. experience. Um, and it was cool. Like we played with a group of friends. I had like seven people. It was actually really big oh, for D and D. But we did like a one off game, and everybody kind of just played different versions of themselves. <laughs> so I played the fighter because we needed it in the group, and it was mm -hmm. it was honestly great. But yeah, like it, it's yeah. There's so many different people out there that choose like you know whether because like you see this in video games too. Like I usually find myself like when I play a role playing game for the first time, I make a character that's similar to myself. Because mm -hmm, I'm always end mm -hmm. up being like, if you have to choose good or bad, right? I'm always going to be good. Yeah, yeah. Then when you have a second playthrough, I make someone completely different. That's not me. It's like just this own different persona to it. Yeah, I is it is interesting. I mean, because like you you have that instinct in you to like actually take advantage of it being a fantasy mm -hmm. and wanting to do something other than yourself. I feel like as a kid when because I, I did not grow up, you know, with video games or role playing or anything like that. Mm. So I um, when I imagined fantasy stuff, I wanted to just imagine me, but I had magical powers or I had a dragon. Oh, I think even if I think back to when I used to really, you know, like writing and making comics and stuff, I always wanted to have like the self insert self-conscious <laughs> character right that um you know that would reflect my values and my morals and stuff i think the first time like ever i i, I mean and and it's 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 a different thing entirely maybe than um escapist literature but it's not because i was reading uh fantasy stuff and science fiction stuff i was also a huge calvin and hobbes fan ah same. and yeah, and I mean, talk about escapism. Oh, like, yeah. Cal that I related so much mm -hmm. to Calvin's thing, and Calvin wanted to be, you know, himself, but, you know, um, <laughs> you know, uh, a, a, an, a, an explorer, Spaceman Spiff, or um, 
I all I that he did very few of them, but when he would be the um the private detective tracer bullet. Yes, yes. Those, oh. those were fantastic. I mean, talk about like just setting a mood in mm. four small panels. But the thing was, like, that I became aware of is I would read more of what Bill Watterson would write him write, you know, as himself, is Calvin is fun to write because he disagrees with him. And Calvin is this um, this character that is so different from who Bill Watterson is that it but but it's also this safe space where he got to be this kind of this, you know, still sensitive and sympathetic, but otherwise um you know very uh difficult right. uh and and uh you know rambunctious child you know mm. um and and it was kind of at that point i like started to imagine like trying trying to imagine you know a, wa- wanting to have a space to be uh someone who wasn't me someone who wasn't so concerned with what other people thought about him (laughs) (laughs) i feel that i feel that yeah i i mean like i think for me in that way too because i read calvin and Hobbes as well and loved it and i think what i connected with was that idea of like it's you in another world not necessarily you as a different person or character Uh, although i think i blended myself in a bit of that but like my problem was i related to calvin at that point Oh, okay. So, like, you actually... Well, the, no, no, no. Not in the way that he acted, necessarily. Oh, okay, because... okay. I was, like, gonna say, like, hmm. No, I mean, but I related to Calvin in that I would read things and make things and wanted right. to just... Wanted to absorb all of these things that made my own internal fantasy more rich uh, okay um that i could imagine myself as a time traveler uh you know trying to survive among dinosaurs or uh mm. you know whatever i was interested in at the time you know i as i if it was middle school and stuff i i read uh a lot of t.a Barron, the lost years of merlin mm. um you know that was kind of my my go to escapist series for a long time. Um Interesting. but but I I had like this internal fantasy, this internal escape that that I could go to that like while I was at swim practice or whatever that I could just shut off what was going on around me and I could insert myself as I was, but maybe I was stronger and older and you know, good at stuff. Hmm right right (laughs) no i get i get totally what you mean though i mean that's the power of escapism in and of itself too and like i definitely think that's like one of the things shown with calvin and Hobbes. i I guess for me like i was obsessed in that or not obsessed but i i i I was i felt in a similar way to that i don't think i ever identified with calvin in that way or related i guess the related part would be like when you know like Mm. he's imagining the snowman or like these other scenes Mm -hmm. and i was like that's what i did you know i did that as a kid as well i didn't have you know oh see there you go that's the problem you didn't get that make snowman yeah Uh, yeah. like with with the evil ones (laughs) i used i (laughs) love those so much but no 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 
the the attack of the killer snow goons oh was great i mean that that is such a great like can you call it an arc oh uh, yeah i think so I think it was so. it, it, calvin and Hobbes was in a comic book right it was but i, I think it's an arc because it kept coming back um okay occasionally, occasionally but there was like one specific story yeah it's that an arc, wasn't i think so the, the weird thing about that one is it wasn't in any of the larger treasuries you had to buy it mm, yeah as its yeah own it's like book. its own book yeah i think i yeah, had so it, it. Always, yeah yeah i i think i had it too one of these days when i have my own house i will get one of those like mm. three volume uh yes. calvin and Hobbes like hardbound books nice nice yeah um, I, I mean we're spending a lot of time yeah i was gonna Calvin say Hobbes, i was gonna I... Which, which absolute absolute masterpiece of i think i think of calvin and Hobbes as maybe one of the greatest american artworks ever made um but we'll we'll have to talk about well th this is actually related to what we wanted to talk about today we wanted to talk about uh world building and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. but particularly like escapism escaping uh our reality into into yeah. fantasy the things that we bring with us, the things that we want to leave behind. Uh, yeah, today. absolutely. Yeah, and I think this is a good place to have our our tour for that as well, and really discussion based one, um, where you know you can go after and play D and D and self uh, reflect on all of this. Yes, but I, yes. I I think yeah, I mean Calvin and Hobbes is such a nice springboard into what we're talking about because again, it's that it's that form of imagination into something else that involves the absurd or the escapist elements to it or something entirely reflective or different. I know as you said, you didn't really have a big you didn't grow up with video games, so to speak, or even like friends. Hey, I didn't have friends either, so I don't play <laughs> I think we, we we have that in common as children. No, but like the 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 influence of fantasy because i think you 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 said too that you've come at this more from like science and with dinosaurs and with other things yeah and i know for me i was obsessed with knights and mm. history more and lord of the rings and like yeah. all of these fantasy type thing elements mm -hmm. that really shaped my escapist attitudes on on everything yeah. i yeah i i think we definitely you you probably were more of the history kid. I was the, the more of the paleontology kid. Both yeah, being, you know, subspecies of the artsy kid. Correct. Yes, <laughs> it's that. It's... Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, my my good friend uh, Jacqueline, uh, who uh, worked at a summer camp with me uh, years ago, who is an astrophysicist. Oh wow, she maintains that there are. There, there are kind of there. There's a dividing line. You're either into dinosaurs at some point, or you're into space at some point. Mm, I was into space. That'll do mm, it. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. This, well, I don't yeah. know now because I have dinosaurs. I just didn't care that what they were. I just knew they were dinosaurs. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, see, see, if you were more like me, you would absolutely care. You know, I mm. sorted my toy dinosaurs uh, into uh, <laughs> Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous. That is fantastic oh my gosh yeah because obviously you can't you can't play no. with no. them all at the same time like an idiot well speak for yourself Zan. i did <laughs> <laughs> but I, I but but to to what you were saying um i had i had kind of limited exposure to fantasy i think um i wasn't even necessarily a science fiction kid okay here's uh, here if, let's see let's see if we can figure this out like what my 
escapism <laughs> thing was because like there wasn't a lot of dinosaur material that i would read i would try to find things when i could like there's uh-huh. a book by douglas preston tyrannosaurus canyon there's uh like natural history related books also co-written by douglas preston and lincoln child uh lee child wrote uh a couple of books there's a lot of these guys that um and i and i've had debates with this with people is like it it depends on whether or not you consider michael crichton a science fiction author or a thriller author oh that's fair okay yeah and i i've had i've had friends and you know uh honestly a a co-worker that you know we would talk quite a bit about this you know when things were slow um because he he, he's uh, much older but you know is you know loves loves old science fiction and uh a lot of that stuff and you know, he sort of, he he sort of brought that up, you know, I don't think he was necessarily one way or the other, but I think he thought it was interesting that I would think of Michael Crichton as science fiction, and I can kind of understand that, also as someone who's, who's worked in a bookstore and has had to sort stuff, you don't always know where to put it, so I was reading stuff that was more about, like, FBI agents that had to, um, you know, uh, find, someone who's trying to steal a dinosaur fossil or comes across a mutant (laughs) creature that's living in the basement of a museum um interesting you know i was reading stuff that was set in contemporary times and wasn't trying to make a larger statement about society necessarily but wanted to um explore maybe like uh, build a thriller around one niche um kind of thing where suddenly there's this area of expertise that someone has (laughs) that's suddenly relevant to a murder mystery for the first time in history right um i mean that's kind of that's kind of funny because it's like your practice in a way like your art practice that makes total sense absolutely nothing changes this is a long way of saying like I had fantasy stuff like the aforementioned The Lost mm. Years of Merlin. But like, do you even know how I how I found that series? Have I ever told that story? I don't think so. Um, and I mean, I don't know how I honestly don't know how big this is. I don't even know how many of you out there like know what I'm talking about. But The Lost Years of Merlin by T.A. Barron was a very good. Um, I, I think you, you it wasn't really Y.A., Okay. I, I think this was still a bit before that, but it was about Merlin as a young adult, um, you know, uh, gaining his powers, learning to become a wizard. Um, and they're, they're very good books from what I remember. Um, and, you know, the whole series is kind of built around him. The next series is built, uh, the, the Great Tree of Avalon is built around his grandson. But... The only reason I ever found and got into those books was because my mom and I randomly sat down at lunch in like a cafeteria place while we were on vacation, sat down next to this woman and her daughter. And she's like, oh, my husband writes books. You should check them out. And I think my mom like found one in a bookstore and gave it to me. Oh, wow. And that was how I got into That's T.A. Insane. Baron. Oh, my God. That's actually <laughs> crazy. Huh. Yeah. 
And I mean, oh. it's popular enough that like you can just walk into a Barnes and Noble and and find and find his books. Um, Interesting. That's pretty crazy, though. But uh, I mean, that obviously Harry Potter, you know, I was I was mm. a Harry Potter kid. I wasn't that into Lord of the Rings. What yeah, I will yeah. say, though, is I never was like and not 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 to be a boomer and just tout my own uh, sophisticated discernment at a young age, but I liked Harry Potter. Harry Potter meant a lot to me. I never wanted Harry Potter to be the definitive thing of magic and wizards. Even when I would imagine stuff with wizards, I wanted to incorporate other stuff I had read, other universes I was interested in. But yeah, but yeah, that that was that was kind of where I was coming from. I wasn't really a Star Wars kid. I Uh, I yeah, I was. (laughs) I didn't have an interest in a lot of hard sci-fi stuff. Well, even like okay, here's the thing though too that I'm recently finding out is Star Wars is like technically fantasy, which I think is really fascinating. Um, and Hmm. someone will probably fight me on that, but that's I'm look, I don't care either way. But it is, it kind of is. Well, it's because it doesn't focus on. There's like specific themes that miss this. It's also why you can argue Dune is fantasy, not sci-fi, even though I disagree. Mm. But it it doesn't matter, right? Like these are just vague terms to get us into the same universe. Like I, I, I think they're also interesting. You, you could say they're they're fantasy by way of science fiction i mean yes yes they're blended dune Dune, Dune, i think is a more pure half and half because i think in its in its intent science fiction should be trying to tell us something about yes um what it means to be human in the face of technology exactly yeah you know you know and maybe we're thinking of uh just going back to like older science fiction where if we're thinking of asimov if we're thinking of mary shelley if we're thinking of like the the quintessential uh science fiction things they all generally uh with i'm sure exceptions that aren't coming to mind right now all of those things are how do we maintain usually how how do we maintain and identify humanity uh yes with in, in the face of technology right exactly and then fan but then like with fantasy it tends to be more parallels to our own world as well yes yes Um, yes. which i think is the interesting divine like bright well yeah (laughs) maybe a little too close in that wouldn't you like to escape to a world that's exactly (laughs) like ours but there's other fantasy races and shrek still exists for some reason and the the orcs wear (laughs) oh my god the orcs wear sports jerseys and chains what does it mean well like that's see and that's a great example too of like just obvious and bad coding right or just coding Mm -hmm. in general into into fantasy worlds and like because that's something i wanted to talk about i think as we move in away from our own personal experiences into the more broad sense the universal sense of fantasy in pop culture and media we consume Mm -hmm. and in and what we enjoy you know i think at the end at the inherent base of it it is this escape to another world be it a magical one a dark one a mysterious one or these side-by-side mm-hmm. political versions like game of thrones where it's like a pretty similar version of medieval europe but then with dragons and fantasy elements and other things mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. but the focus being on the characters right. and the world building right but so yeah i think it's fascinating when well i guess i guess the thing that you see 
right now is a major conflict is a, it's a few things. One of people who want to apply the logic and reasoning of our world and our societies mm-hmm. and the you know structures and ideas we have yeah. in place, and they bring it to works of fiction. And right. the complete breaking of that in said works of fiction because mm-hmm. it's not the same. You know, right. I, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And there's also then in, in said works of fiction and in fantasy books where mm-hmm. they are very obvious about what they're doing and it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Like I was watching, because like you're seeing this a lot with the argument of the new Lord of the Rings show and people mm, are already freaking okay. out because diversity, yeah. God forbid, there's diversity in, in fantasy. Who knew? And it's just very <laughs> dumb because in the sense of it, of the people who My are arguing. My fantasy world that has uh no uh you know no bounds of uh this reality must have all white area must uh, must <laughs> yeah it has to because that's you know there's has there's to. magic Ridiculous. and dragons but god god, god forbid a black person god yeah no seriously though but that's the thing it's ridiculous and it's like oh my god really that's the that's the gripe here yeah and i mean this this is low-hanging fruit that a million other people yeah. have, well, ha- well, have have made fun of but we we have an opportunity to go a, a, a little deeper here which i think is where you're going with this yeah exactly because you do see that obviously paralleled a lot like even that like shadow and bone series that's a very it's a it's a ya book series and you know it translates that way into the show as well it's not bad it's not good but it was like very it's made at harry potter like someone it's made at but not like yes but also then like well yeah it is harry potter and then also racism involved in the plot and it's just like you know, like I don't know. It's a reskin Not of the that Russian. You shouldn't talk about those. No, 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 no. But it's it's yeah. Uh, of course, no. I 100 percent agree. It's just mm-hmm. like the lack of nuance is annoying. Mm. Like it feels like I'm watching Green Book. You know, same vibe of like I don't know. It's that very obvious tone to it. It's not intricate. It's not delicate. Like I I know I've heard that talked about in like. Like where the mm-hmm. Witcher book, I haven't read them, so I could be wrong. But I know in the Witcher books, they, you know, the author took it as an opportunity to use the to have these fantasy races interact with each other, where the humans are mm-hmm. coming into an elven world. This is similar to Lord of the Rings, right. and then taking over in each of the races of like dwarves and elves and such, you know, all mm-hmm. arguing and fighting with each other and trying to claim one being better than the other. And then there's mm-hmm. monsters involved, mm-hmm. and it's a whole dark kind of slavic universe yeah literally if if i can for one second i mean i think a lot of this the, the issue is obviously you know we want to talk about we want to um you know and and this goes all the way back to tolkien even is the uh you know want, wanting to try and find allegory um or or try and graft on what you see as a problem into the problem of a fantasy world and Tolkien yeah. was very outspoken about this and and C.S. Lewis was that you know they did not want people reading one-to-one you know they were like okay yeah no if you read allegory into my work that's fine but that's not how I intended it and also right. you cannot apply one-to-one stuff into fantasy because it starts to fall apart I mean the big problem yeah. is we always 
the impulse that I, I shouldn't say we always have this, but the impulse that a lot of well-intentioned people have is let's talk about a fantasy world or this different world and let's talk about racism, but let's yeah. literally make the oppressed people a different species. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, some yeah. sometimes that, that can work in a short example and then move on, don't linger on it. But the problem is we live in a very literal world now where things that are made are under a lot of scrutiny um to be very literal and to have one-to-one comparisons so yes yeah if you were going to say this universe oppresses the elves and you know the elves have historically been discriminated against and now the elves have bad credit ratings uh (laughs) but you know the the humans keep telling them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps you know yeah it gets uh it's mm. uh you know and uh it's it 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 gets very awkward really quickly because yeah yeah because you know maybe you're trying to make a point but who are you making a point to can i okay this isn't again i'm going to take something that's not necessarily fantasy but i i want to kind of look at this as well as something a little bit um something that i thought was a a a a a good way that suddenly you avoid this Mm. um and if okay let's think about like animal alternate reality things or animal fantasy fiction stuff like like warrior cats um sure yeah let's say warrior. i didn't read warrior cats i just that's Neither all did I, I or animorphs or, the, or whatever the guardians of gahul i did not yeah i, I mean i are. i read like watership down oh um, god are you okay <laughs> no um i read i read a few of the silver wing books i think there okay. was one or two that i did not but that one was about like bats and they have a whole religion based around <laughs> sound and also their afterlife is made out of sound um and also they have like a whole weird cosmic explanation as to why the humans capture them and put metal tags on them that's crazy uh, and then there's one cannibalistic bat that's like killing other bats <laughs> to to get their metal rings and put and adorn himself with it oh and my they're god tra- they're just tracking tags that you know the human biologists are putting on these bats <laughs> oh my god um huh. so 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 there's there's stuff like that where obvious the, the the comparison is obvious to modern day isn't it sure um, <laughs> <laughs> i too am a bat that just wants more tags right right but those are things where you can kind of immediately go into this thing of like there's a logic at play here that is different from our own world that the rabbits right. in watership down can only count to four like and that they have this whole mm. mythology and everything built around their perspective of the world that is inherently different from human stuff. Like, there's a part in the book where they're trying to comprehend buoyancy, that there is um, a piece of wood that they can use to get across a stream. And you're trying to think, like, oh, how would an animal that's not very smart encounter the logic of of buoyancy how does an animal that's not very smart count past four you know like why would it even need to count past four but 
um you know watership down fortunately i i I don't think falls into the problems of that that we are talking about specifically here um but then so there's this whole tradition of kind of animal escapist society stuff that we have then there's zootopia Hmm. and i want to point out one thing that i noticed when i first saw it that made me at least buy into it as something that was trying to be smarter than your general mass-produced thing that just has the message of racism bad. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend like Zootopia is like this prime example of something, but, but you know, it's a kid's movie. Let's, sure. Let's explore one thing that I think think lets zootopia off the hook and doesn't make it bright okay and that is that in Zo- you've seen the movie yes of course yes okay of course yes <laughs> i don't um, know why i answered that way but yeah i've yes. seen it <laughs> of course yes and course. your favorite character i'm sure was the arctic shrew that was also the mob boss <laughs> maybe not my favorite but i like that scene can you come yes, to yes, me the day i'm not a winner Yes, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Um, so in Zootopia, who are the uh, people that are being discriminated against? Um, well, in what part? In the the carnivores, right? Yes. And but who was discriminated against in the past? The herbivores. Yes, and I think doing that little flip. Mm. saves it interest ah so it's like the attack on titan switch interesting mm, yes um it just a little thing like that takes it out of the logic of our contemporary mm. societal problems that yeah huh that's interesting yeah and it's not perfect maybe as a movie i mean i mean yeah yeah, and, and it's not like, you know, and, and you could, you know, also, I mean, we, we don't need to get into whether or not, uh, you know, it's copaganda or whatever, um, but yeah, it, but but I mean, it, it ultimately has a has a uh, has a has a message of, uh, you know, there needs to be institutional reform. Um, the but you know it also does hold up an idea of you know it's a few bad actors perpetuating a bad system right we, we don't need to get we into don't it. need to dissect we, it too far let's we, you know. we don't need to get it dissected too far because then we will be the we will draw the unwanted ire of judy hopps uh stands um <laughs> the but i think that one little flip in it yeah let's it breathe and lets Mm. you kind of look at the story on its own terms in its own world because you cannot draw a direct comparison between our world and it just based on that one little world building detail that they were smart enough to put in there it's very interesting Um, yeah and it's when you do things like that and you are actually able to god forbid suspend your disbelief to watch a movie about things that can't happen um right you actually 
you actually get there. It it avoids the you know the the a lot of the other problems that fantastical worlds have, and maybe it's not yeah, a prime yeah. example of fantasy. Uh, but but I I think I, I think it is. I, I I I it's it's made an impression on me. I think it's noteworthy. No, I hundred percent agree. I mean, it's it it's it, if anything, it's good at highlighting that that's all it takes sometimes is these little switches, right, to yeah. avoid that one to one comparison that I think sometimes those works aren't even looking to do. They just fall into it, and then we right. just allow for that to happen right it just yeah. keeps going i think a lot of ya novels fall into that issue a lot too right mm -hmm. but maybe not specifically with racism but with other you know one-to-one -one comparisons as well um not to diss on ya novels specifically it's but just in general like you, you see that with other fantasy elements as well i mean it's such a big genre too right that yeah, like yeah it's hard to then <laughs> sort of to the list every single thing and and i i think that's why like for me, I've had a lot of, you know, when you when you're very critical uh -huh. about fantasy literature, movies, pop culture, you start to be disinterested because mm -hmm. it does become that, you know, male dominated fantasy or this perspective is going to be the thing they're looking for that and and, and the coding applied and everything kind of as you've been saying and laying out the megaverse. Oh, I don't even. I don't even want to touch the megaverse. <laughs> off top, off topic today. No, it's too bold. Zan, it's it is like, I mean, if Zootopia was already pushing it into one direction, that's going in a whole different thing. It's kind of just crazy. kicking the and, hornet's nest today. I mean, even but even like fan fiction too opens up a whole different thing. But we're not going to touch mm. on that today because it's it's very yeah. interesting. It's just not something I even know much about. Um, mm -hmm. And also, but but fan fiction is interesting too because you're seeing the thing that we were even talking about earlier. People want right. to insert their own ideas into these uh, existing right uh, universes or properties or whatever you know. Yeah, and it's it's wish fulfillment for some people, and for other people, they sometimes even build on something that the original author didn't yeah, even yeah. consider. It's um. It, it, there, there's there's a lot of potential to it, and I'm sure most of it is self indulgent. Uh, but well, yeah, there, there's there's more than likely uh, a lot of you know uh, a a lot of interesting stuff that's that's come out of right. it. Well, I mean, like here's a good if we're tying this back to Dune, you know, one of my more mm. recently favorite. Have you been writing your books. Dune fanfic? No, I never will, and here's why. Because Brian Brian Herbert already did that, um, and I don't know if I'm gonna read them. Because here's my problem with like, because it's not even okay. It's not even like fan fiction necessarily, right? Because like I ha I'm on I'm on God Emperor. I haven't read it yet, but I really want to. Mm -hmm. I've just been doing other things and reading other books mm -hmm. because it's kind of big. Um, mm -hmm. But Frank Herbert never got to finish his second arc of the books because God Emperor like ties in the last one of like because because from dune to children of dune is the arc of paul atreides and the house mm -hmm. atreides essentially then mm -hmm. god emperor is like this middle ground and then i think it leads into the heretics of dune and chapter house dune and then they never finished his mm -hmm. son wrote more books with some other people and there's like 10 of them and they're mm -hmm. long and i'm like i i don't did they read know these. where frank herbert was going like did he have notes i don't know that's the thing i think he had some i don't know if it's like a christopher tolkien type situation where he's like working off of his father's notes and writings i think he had the research and was trying to like 
go with his father's vision, but they are inherently two different people. So to some, it's great. And it added this entirely different element of world building and extents to them. I mean, the reason I don't want to read them is there's just too many and I don't have time. Mm -hmm. But um, to others, uh, they are not in the same vein as the originals and therefore they're not canon and they're not interesting. So everybody mm. becomes a purist of the the texts, right? To what they right, want, the sacred and, text, exactly. Well, or or anything. This could be any narrative. It would be like if 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 um if like Christopher Tolkien for you know J.R.R. Tolkien, not J.K. J.R.R. Tolkien's son wrote like a sequel to Lord of the Rings. I feel like people mm. would be not happy about that, or wrote right. a prequel that wasn't The Hobbit, right? Like it would mm-hmm. be kind of weird, but mm-hmm. for him. It could, and this is the case with like Brian Herbert, at least in his writings, it sounds like this that it's this ode to his dad. That it's like, I have come, you have helped me with my writing, and now I am actually visiting your texts and building on the Mm. world that you've set up. That because his son and his wife are in the books, right? Like, you know, his. Because in in the mm-hmm. in the new Dune book, the the really nice hardcover that I bought, um, that was like really it's popular, it's awesome with the blue edges, it's mm-hmm. the best way to read it. But um, <laughs> it's so nice, it's so nice. But um, uh, he did a forward that's like twenty pages, and he's talking about the movie that's coming out, and you know all these mm-hmm. things about how mm-hmm. it's moved. But he was even mentioning that like the lady Jessica is modeled after his mom, you know Frank Herbert's mm. wife, very clearly. And he points out where specifically. And he even writes about how Frank Herbert himself wrote himself in where he's like, he very much is Duke Leto Atreides, Mm -hmm. but he saw himself and wanted to be Duncan Idaho. Mm. And I find that interesting that, you know, and even like him, him arguing with his son and them not maybe getting along at one point in life and the arrogance of Paul Atreides coming into the books, right? This young lad who starts off as a very kind of go happy 15 year old and then has to mature real fast and gain power real quick like all of these things influence into these characters so i think Mm -hmm. that that already is very fascinating to me that like that brian herbert is a part of the story he's a part of dune technically just the way that was really interesting yeah i I, so that's kind of my curiosity with it when he's writing these extra books right that dive into Mm -hmm. the the more of the lore to more of the lands and all these other things you know he i don't know he he has a lot of himself in those books whether it was by his own hand or not right in this case his father's so i think that offers a new way of looking at it perhaps of how to go Mm -hmm. about it Mm mm-hmm I mean, that's that's really interesting. And that's, I think, a very that's a fantastic case to bring up where Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the same necessarily. But there is, again, this internal logic within the universe that that allows for it to where, you know, this fantasy intersects with our own world. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, it's a. You know, it's it's not the it's not the same as, uh, you know, I think certain things where just the kids are coasting off of the property that their parents made or whatever. And, you know, uh, there's there's not um, as clear of a connection between them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, but to. I mean, the, the. 
to to go back to you know the thing that's uh that they're working on right now with the new Lord of the Rings stuff, um, you know, which I only catch snippets of, you know, do you like as we try to reinterpret these things going forward, is it just kind of inevitable though that people have that that there's that that we that we want to change aspects because we cannot change the original text and we cannot change the people that mm-hmm, made mm-hmm. them you know and there's a lot to mm-hmm. interrogate even even if tolkien was not trying to make an allegory about the world and trying to draw comparisons between um the different races that inhabit uh, his world, Mm -mm. uh, there's things that we want answered. There's things that people, at least, that are very passionate about this Mm -mm. stuff, that are fantasy fans, they want to feel seen Mm. and included. And it's, you know, Tolkien's gone. And even if he was still here, the words are written and the book is published. There's yeah there's there's it's a it's a different matter of of reimagining those things well that's the thing i want to so so we i don't know i mean i guess we'll have to see what's going to happen with it um and Mm -hmm. what the writers and the creatives on the on the on the show do and if they're fans or not and what they want answered because Mm -hmm. we don't know though i do want to take your question and I want to apply it to a different show that recently came out, which was mm-hmm. the book of Boba Fett, um, mm. which, you know, oh, I'm going to be very honest, only exists because of Boba Fett gaining this cult following <laughs> behind it. Right. Out yeah. of the, out of uh, Lucas's films. Now I, I look, I like star Wars. I'm not, I, I don't want to say I'm obsessed with star Wars. I've somehow found myself into that lore because it is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I pull away. But this Mm -hmm. I thought was very fascinating. So the people that work on the show also work with The Mandalorian. They're all fans. They are all people that grew up watching Star Wars, loved Star Wars, got into movies, were writing Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. those, and then ended up working on these shows. And Mm -hmm. you can tell that's partially what makes them very good uh, compared to some other Star Wars media and other media that gets retranslated by people that don't understand the thing they're doing but this mm-hmm. is why i liked it even more this this specific show even though it has some problems they took the time in the first couple of episodes because it's following boba fett and his like adventures in the past and what happened and they're redefining the canon right because it doesn't exist mm-hmm. and they take the time to readjust and not even readjust actually they they take the time to expand on the lore of you know the tuscan raiders you know, mm-hmm. from the the movies that are very, they're depicted as this very stereotypical, you know, they're Bedouins. That's what they're coded as. That's who they are and what mm-hmm. the inspiration's taken from. But they took the time in a few episodes to, and even in The Mandalorian as well, to go further into that, to look into the language, to right. the people, to their cultures, their point of view, and expand past it where it's not just, you know, left as like those are the people and they live in the hills and they're there and you know we're going to focus on us it's like no 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 we're going to turn the camera and go this way and we're going to explore the thing that mm-hmm. was put in you know we're going to explore this element of the story because mm-hmm. you know Lucas put it there and now we need to figure it out and they and they've done this with a lot of their own characters and and you know like even with like Jabba the Hutt and other things as well like you're you're 
going more into that and saying, okay, well, we should probably explore what this all meant because you can't just put it in front of a screen, leave it there, and then just not expand on it, right? Because otherwise it's going to start to fester. But that was like, you saw a lot of people get very upset about the way Boba Fett's depicted because they're like, he's this badass bounty hunter that doesn't care anybody's cutthroat and cool because he's got cool armor. But in, you know, their vision for the story, they took it a completely different way. And he's a very, you know, caring troubled past type guy that's just looking to start fresh and new and also be a gang leader it's a little confusing i'll admit to that mm. but <laughs> it is this it's this effort to explore the media that you're dealing with and not just keep ignoring mm -hmm. it you know it's like hold yeah. on we have this lore established let's dive deeper into it and explore the people that are being represented mm -hmm, here and mm -hmm. what this can actually be looked at as, not just vilifying them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's the the thing that's interesting to me as kind of an outsider is the most casual of Star Wars fans that really doesn't care that much. Fair enough, man. I don't even either. Yeah. I. On the one hand, I'm like why does i i'm looking at this from this perspective you know this is from this is something from another generation that i know is mostly arbitrary that people really latched on to this one character that did not really have a big role but we look back on those movies with such reverence as a culture that um that it just is it just it just is it's completely arbitrary you you know if you're looking at really just what the original movies were there's there's it's not there none of that stuff that you just said is there and none of that no. was part of the thought process of making that character it's all no. completely arbitrary that people latched onto him other than probably at a cool costume he looked cool that's it that's why yes. they liked him cool guy yes. cool helmet so on the one hand, it's completely arbitrary, as I've just said, but also it's it's interesting to even think of this as a case study of people going people taking something in a completely different direction than anyone could have ever intended. Mm. Um, and. Uh, and. You know, with with fantasy stuff, that's the, there, there's something kind of, of beautiful and kind of pure about that, that yeah. it wasn't about uh, it wasn't about anything else, but something that people just kind of genuinely reacted to. Yeah, and that's that that to me is fascinating as kind of an outsider. Um, but then at the same time, it's also like, uh, OK, but like but but why and you know i i can't necessarily have an answer for that but i look at other fantasy stuff that maybe tries to um to, to with kind of a heavy hand like try and say this is this thing and we're going to hold your hand and we're going to show you this thing yeah and this is what is important in this world Ugh. and i think this this gets around to a a bigger a bigger problem that we're encountering a lot with science fiction and fantasy is that these 
they really want to apply our world's yeah. logic to these worlds that do not exist. Yes. Yes. And it's annoying because it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, because it's. I guess it's not truly escapist. No, it's just you're just copy pasting into something else, right? It's like mm -hmm. it's 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 our it's it's a new world that's exactly like ours, but there's magic, and it's like <laughs> okay, well then what's the fun in that? Like that's why you got You got to hand it to like Souls games, like Dark Souls or Elden Ring that just came out, where it's like you know what. The only thing that's like similar here is you have a there's like knight's armor every now and then, and there's obviously gothic influence and like old you know uh, medieval stuff. But then there's also giants that have hand hammers and like uh, <laughs> the a guy who's so corrupt he has like a huge body with hands and arms and limbs growing out of it because he's greedy and they don't tell you why he just does and you accept it because right. it's how the world is painted you have a horse with deer antlers doesn't matter mm -hmm. it's part of the world and we just go with it and it's fun mm -hmm. it doesn't it, it things that don't apply logic and they in Embrace the absurdity when it comes to fantasy. I argue are more interesting because they mm -hmm. they don't hold your hand in it. They're just like this is how it is because it's fantasy and none of this is real. So who cares? Let's just have fun with it. Whereas right. I think when you start to get into this, like again, it's it's why Dune I think is science fiction and fantasy is very interesting rather than even like Star Wars or other books that I don't know. Like where, where you're like we have to describe. I'm gonna tell you what a hyperdrive is, and then I have to describe it for 20 pages, even though it's not <laughs> oh, real. No. And you... oh no, it's the Star Wars <laughs> holiday special. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but even like in fantasy, where it's like I, I see people talk about how they have to have a magic system in their books. I'm like, please don't. I don't care. You could tell me that they have. It's like, oh well, actually, all of the people in this world. Uh, in they either have magic or they don't, and when they have magic, they just snap their fingers and Dude, magic it's just happens. Great, like that, it just throws, it throws you in, in there. It's like Zendaya is Michi, and there mm -hmm. you go. Zendaya, yeah, exactly. It, she just is this character. Uh, Paul is Tim Timothée Chalamet, and that's it. And it's just mm -hmm. go for it. But and, and but at the same time, it's like. Yes, that can be very confusing because it's not a Marvel movie that's going to like walk you through everything, right? And have a whole franchise behind it. Yeah. But at the same time, it offers this new way of like, again, it's like a Souls game. It just throws you in. And it's like, here's the lore. It's about a five minute presentation. That's all mm -hmm. you need to know. Uh, don't die, but also you're going to die a lot. Have fun. Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, this is. It, it was like what Zelda did with Breath of the Wild, right? I I, I know video game talks and is your, just gonna your go, forte, uh -huh, but yeah. but I'm sure you've seen it through memes and other things. But it's a yeah. it was a game 2017. You mm -hmm. either knew Legend of Zelda, maybe you didn't. I didn't know much about it, honestly. You play this game, and it's just here's the world. Go yeah. have fun, and you do your thing, and the world builds itself out in this way. There is mm -hmm. no real explanation many of the times. So I think mm -hmm. that even in movies and shows as we're seeing this starting to come out, it offers a much more interesting way of going about the escapist route because at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? It's Sometimes mm -hmm. there's parallels that are drawn and we can learn different things from it, but it doesn't need yeah. to be like these one-for-one -one examples and or even like the Game of Thrones where you after Game of Thrones came out, every other fantasy show needed to be just as gritty and dark and follow yeah. all these like complex character stories. Like I don't know mm -hmm. if you like remember that or not, but it was at least in like 2013 onward. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't 
discount how much what a big deal game of thrones was oh yeah when it came out i mean revolutionary literally yeah and it was coming out at that time where you know there were all of these really serious uh prestige adult dramas and stuff you know that you know when it came out you know there was still mad men and uh breaking Breaking bad Bad. um the Sopranos hadn't ended too long before that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Game of Thrones was presenting itself as kind of this new thing that, like, wow, anything can kind of happen because main characters die. And then when you rewatch it, at least the early seasons, you realize, oh, well, they didn't die without reason or without things that make sense for the plot. Uh, and, you know, it's a different story once you get into the, the last two or three seasons where yeah you know things fall off the rails yeah um yeah you know it's 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 a thing that like i i've talked about this quite a bit with allison um you know she's she's fascinated by this idea that um game of thrones could potentially be a thing that is only relevant to our generation and it will just be complete gibberish to uh preceding people that it will be this thing potentially that is entirely left behind as this thing of the 2010s um and we just kind because it had such a steep drop off in interest after the finale that this will not you know that that it kind of won't endure and it will kind of just be this trivia thing like like happy days like i've never seen a goddamn <laughs> i don't know what happy that is days. yeah no but no idea. i know the references to it kind of and i am aware that people uh 10 to 20 30 years older than me know <laughs> the, much more about the fonz, it but, right the fonz, yeah yeah Fonzie. but i but i have absolutely no interest in it it's and and that's not really for any good or bad reasons. I don't really know anything about it. I don't really care to know much more about it. I just know it's where we got the phrase jumping the shark. I didn't even know um, that. So I knew it was when Fon the Fonz hit or Fonzie hits the jukebox and then the music plays, and that trope is used all the time. Yes, uh, yes. It, but you know, there's something kind of sad about that. There's something kind yeah. of uniquely interesting about this and maybe it will be kind of studied in the future why so many people were really into this thing for that short period of time and what that says about what we wanted out of mm. fantasy in that moment because we're we're moving yeah. out of that era i think yeah we are yeah um but okay so i i guess with all of this i'll ask this question if there's all of these things that we already know mm-hmm. that racism bad mm-hmm. and there are uh existential problems in the world that threaten us while politicians play uh play petty games and uh and 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 have a you know just uh no no connection to what what the bigger problems are we are aware of those things and i'm not saying that those things shouldn't be in our fantasy and sci-fi 
they they you know they're a part of society and so the art that we make as a society um will reflect those things as it always has i guess i'm curious like with the escape that i feel like people must have gotten out of game of thrones what were we escaping for this honestly very stressful show that never let anything for for a while at least i mean because there there are key exceptions to this there there are great enjoyable satisfying episodes of game of thrones that i will never rewatch. um if i'm being totally honest yeah Um, yeah but there's no sense of letting you breathe let's there's no beach episode. this world let's there's no um like it's honestly the thing that i've been really liking about certain movies uh like just i like a scene that it, even the movie can have stakes but i like a scene sometimes where it's not irrelevant but it builds the world and you just yeah. kind of get to live in this space for a little bit it's yeah. um it's uh it's Brad Pitt just driving around in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's, mm, uh, yeah. you know, it's Timothy Chalamet just riding his bike around Italy uh, in um, uh, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. Just, you know, there are stakes to these movies, but sometimes you just want to ride around and and just mm. breathe for a moment in this world and, and indulge in it um yeah and that and that's i guess the thing is game of thrones while it had like moments uh that were satisfying and fan servicey it was coming at a moment where i guess people it didn't feel like i guess people didn't want a a kind of an indulgence in quote-unquote serious media that there was not supposed to be a moment where we understood that you were in a place that you wanted to be you know there there was there there's no uh quidditch tournament there's no um you know riding a dragon just for joy there's uh there's Mm -hmm. no moment of awe necessarily that isn't ultimately like responding with with dread i mean even compare game of thrones to the more recent green knight film uh you know which has stakes to it and has definitely some of that post game of thrones grittiness and dirtiness that we expect from uh fantasy medieval fantasy now but there's also color in it yeah it's pretty it's very pretty scenes that just kind of let you know who lives in this world yeah that's just kind of kind of my 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 observation and my question like Mm. what was it about that moment that we had all of these characters that we really loved like really good characters and the moments where they just kind of got to be themselves and interact with each other in a way that wasn't so self-important all the time it just kind of never happened no uh it, or it, when it did happen it was very few and far between you were watching you were you, it was a white knuckle ride hoping that everyone survived so that they could sit down and you could enjoy these characters more like why did we want that so bad i guess because we were bored 
Who knows, man? I mean, because it's weird, too, to think that the time gap of the books to the series is already pretty large. I mean, the books came out in the late 90s. So you Mm -hmm. have to think that that's like a pretty, you know, revolutionary view on fantasy or at least big name revolutionary view. I'm sure there's other books out there that were doing something very similar at the time. And Mm. Game of Thrones just got picked up. I think it was you either had your Aragon or your Harry Potter and your like Harry Potter sequels coming out and other things where it was like fantasy is low stakes. It's silly. You know, it's it's wizards and magic and whatever and then game Mm -hmm. of thrones brought a realistic view to it where people are awful and there's death everywhere and there's violence and it's very aggressive and i think people liked that because it felt real more Mm. than fake because i think game of thrones feels more real than fake honestly in many cases Mm -hmm. besides some exceptions and then obviously towards the end it's absolutely fake and ridiculous but let's just assume we're not let's assume one through five when 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 we talk in positive terms let's just assume that we're we're not talking about yeah yeah yeah. that no for sure but it it is like i don't know i I, because like if even if you think about the time period Mm -hmm. you know there's stuff going on but it's still pre like and this is going to sound so self-centered in terms of like American views on the world because there's always bad things happening and there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but, you know, this is pre-2016, right? In terms of mm. when starts things start to shift. There's no real stakes, you know? There's obviously conflicts happening, but like I think most of the American public is pretty chill in a sense. Stuff is okay. It's, we already have so much nostalgia for this time, so you want that little bit of excitement. Now mm-hmm. that we live in unprecedented times, right? I think that there's an abandonment of that excitement. We don't, we're like, we're good. We have it in our reality. We don't need to see it again, you know? We don't need mm-hmm. to, I don't need to go for, it, it's the question of do we show a plague in, in our pop culture, right? Do we bring in the, you know, COVID protocols and masking to our, our videos and our, our film? And it's like, you know, do you, do you want to live your reality on TV all over again, right? Or do you mm-hmm. want them to be separate? Yeah, yeah. Do you, want, do you want to live your reality over again? That exactly. Is, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, because that, I mean, I, I think that was also a question post-Vietnam. Um, mm, yeah. Obviously a question post-World War II yeah. uh, in, in media. Um. You know, this has been remarked upon before, but I guess I'll bring this up. I mean, the, you know, you don't have to say that, again, with um, the Chronicles of Narnia, you don't, while it's inspired by certain things, you don't have to draw a comparison between this is the White Witch and this is, you know, this and that. This is what this stands for. Aslan is Jesus. (laughs) Aslan's Jesus, though, yes. Yes, of Um, course. (laughs) <laughs> who knew <laughs> that's the one the one that we can be like eh, okay yeah that one was a little on the nose yeah um but uh you know when the when the children come back and they de-age and they've lived this entire life oh at God. the end of the first one um you know they've grown up and they've they've done all of these things to come back and they're expected to go back to being children you know, that, you know, it seems funny, but also to C.S. Lewis and a, and a generation of, uh, of people in Europe, that was the reality of World War I. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, 
you went and you had this experience and then you just went back to school, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's it's crazy to even think. I mean, it, it's such an existential question, you know. I think I didn't mm-hmm. even realize that comparison in all honesty when I both read the book and watched the movie. And and I mean, I've read a few of those, the Narnia books. I thought mm-hmm. they were pretty interesting. Um, it, do- it doesn't need to be immediately apparent. It does not change right, your right. experience of it. It's it's a factoid. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I was going to bring up the fact that I was like having a crisis because I was like, wait a minute, they left this whole life and now they're children again. Yeah. And it's like, what do you do? Like, you're, yeah. was that, did that matter? Did it not matter? You know, like, that's the feelings that I was always left with where it's like, oh my God, yeah. like, what if that happens to me, right? Where you go into the wardrobe How- and... Do you you think, because I think about this sometimes, do you think about if you had, like, a reset for some reason, like, there's some time warp, and you know everything you know now, but you get thrown back to childhood for some reason. Oh my god, that's my fear. (laughs) Is is that, that's your fear? (laughs) Terrifies me. (laughs) It it offers such an existential problem, but continue. Right, right. I, I mean, like, but... I, I guess I have that thought sometimes when I'm bored. I'm like, what what would I do? Like, what do you do in, have, in, yeah. in a situation like that? I mean, obviously, like, I think for a lot of people, they think they're like, warn everybody about 9-11. Um, <laughs> or, or Benghazi or Trump or, you know, yeah, coronavirus. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Um... It, it, is, it, is, it is a thing that, like, I, I yeah. do think about every now and then where I'm like, what, what do you, what would you do with all yeah. of your knowledge of how to be an adult and then being Ugh. thrown back to that? I mean, I guess that's the plot of um, a few different movies, a few different body swapping movies. And, uh, yeah. What, is it? Um, yeah. what, uh, uh there's there's a movie i cannot remember the name of where the guy becomes a teenager again um, oh um uh 17 again 17 again yeah zac efron yes yeah with yeah, yeah, yeah. Zac- with zac efron efron yeah with uh yes and then there's the other one where the mom and the daughter switch bodies um freaky friday freaky friday <laughs> yes isn't there's like 16 going on 30 is another one too? oh well, that's going forward in time so i guess that's a little different yeah it's like anyway, 13 but going on 30 that's it yeah 16 i guess there's, there's the unbreakable kimmy schmidt well no because she's just she grows up in a cult in a bunker so she yes. just is a child still because she didn't get to grow up uh yes yeah, there's there's enough things I guess out there to kind of ask that question of what would you do, but um, I guess C.S. Lewis asked it uh, yeah. in a in a much more somber manner. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. I, I it gives me a crisis to have to do everything over again. That makes yeah. me panic. Is this is it Sisyphus pushing the rock up only to fall back down? Oh, that yeah, yeah. that terrifies me. Hence yeah. why it's my fear because yeah, I don't want to relive braces. Um, I don't want to relive elementary school. It's yeah. not fun, you know, or like some other moments or, in my life. Or Who would does? you be ahead and be like, hey, guys, Green Day is going to drop this album that's going to blow <laughs> not... you all away. Wait, wait, wait. Is it going to be like, is it going to be like Aaliyah in Dune where you're like four, but you have all of the knowledge of your ancestors. So you speak like, you know, you're 50. See, OK, like... <laughs> let me let me say this. Let me say this. <laughs> Um, there was this kid, uh, a friend of ours in undergrad uh, had a had a child and I would 
uh, nanny her on a couple of occasions, and and she would just hang out with me and my my then girlfriend. And you know, she's a you know like six, seven, eight, and the time that I knew her, you know, adorable kid. But because we went to school with her mother, she was around at art events all the time, mm. and spoke very articulately because she was around adults and was just a part of that life. And, you know, you know, she they they her her parents let her be a kid and everything. But still, you know, she um was just a very, um very uh just just kind of uh, interesting child because she was very smart and and just did not want you to speak to her in a patronizing way. You just did not do that with her. But she still, you know, has the brain of a seven-year-old. You you would talk to her, and it, it would it would just be those little reminders every now and then. Like one time we were sitting together, and this was to, to give an idea of when this was. The It movie had come out. The, oh, okay, the, okay. The, the, the remake. Um, and she's telling me she's like. All of my friends are afraid of it, and I'm not afraid of it. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, why? And she's like, because I know it's an actor, not a real clown. All right. And I'm like, and but wait, wait, think about that. Think about what she said. Yeah. What did she think a real clown was? That had me fooled for a minute. That got me. I would have been like, "Oh man, all right." It's like, wait a minute. It's like, it's like I, I know they didn't. I know they didn't use real lions in the Lion King. <laughs> Did you know Pennywise is not a real clown? Yeah. Uh, well, they, yeah. No, it, it's it's an actor because it would be far too dangerous to put <laughs> actors in with a real clown. I mean, they had all those wild clowns in 2016. So I mean, oh, they could be one yeah. of those. Who knows? Oh, oh yeah. My God. Okay, yeah. but it's still, but is it the same thing again of having like a four-year-old come up to you and be like, ah, yes, the plan is in motion and my grandfather has fallen. That was, that was, that I mean, was about what it was like to talk to her. That's terrifying. No, no. She, I mean, no, she, she seems really nice. That sounds yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I, no, no, no. Adorable child. Uh, yes. Ple- pleasure to babysit. Absolutely. But, but it gets worse. See, something like that that does get worse in like Children of Dune where, you know, Spoilers, but later the second is nine and is like infinitely wiser than everybody else. This is like some of those things that throw off the um mm-hmm. the people that like Dune or don't. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, that's kind of fantasy in and of itself, right? It's like you're taking I mean, these major I was, tropes I was and putting a really them in nine-year-olds. annoying nine year old that felt like he was smarter <laughs> than everybody else. Okay, but were you like a nine year old that's like, you think you're tough? I have seen my my ancestors back to the times of the babylonians fall i speak 200 languages and you want to tell me what it's like being an adult please and they're like leto you're nine can you go play in the sand please why are you joe joe that's that's what it's like to be a nine-year-old uh dinosaur (laughs) fan (laughs) fan. you know all of your friends are dead oh my god Um, oh no (laughs) you know you know this entire language that none of the adults in your life know none of them know what a quetzalcoatlus is none of them know none of them know none of them know the pain (laughs) maybe you are just the quizettes hatteratch then <laughs> I'm sorry for all the Dune talk to everybody here. That's definitely gonna sound like not English. Um, but 
but even okay but like in in, in steering our conversation towards the end for this too like back to our D tables and the fantasy role playing that's happening here i wanted to bring up just one other piece of media that i think does an interesting job of dealing with sometimes heavy themes but ultimately going towards the escapist route which was mm. you know the adventure zone by the mcelroy family uh mm. uh justin travis uh griffin and their dad clint who were recording a D podcast stemming from my my brother my brother and me my where they did a Bam. My bim bim, yeah, where they did a one-off because of, I, th I forget which one of them had a child, uh, so they needed to record something fast, um, and they had it extra. But anyway, it started as a one-off that got so much traction, it built up an entire story that went on for like three or four years. And they still do it, and they have different arcs to it, and it's new characters I think stuff, they just started a new one, too. They did, at their scene. I have to catch up, but it's pretty good. But again, it's this, like, it's an audio medium. It, mm -hmm. there's, and the thing I always liked about them when they play D&D is they do not care about the rules. Griffin doesn't really care about rules many times. He tends to break them and do his own thing. And they make it fun, and they make it a story, and they lean into that more. So mm -hmm. hardcore fans of D&D, when they get into mechanics, because this is the thing I feel like that ruins those type of games, is they get annoyed because they, they want to listen to gameplay, and they want to listen to math and what goes into mm. making all these hit counters because because believe it or not in all like pathfinder D, &D all these type of uh fantasy yeah. rpg games that are you know uh analog for lack of a better term there's a lot of math and there's a lot of like mm -hmm. process there that right, is right. kind it's, of it's, awful it's it, it's an acoustic video game <laughs> i mean it is though and it's what a lot of video games were based off of but the thing yeah. is that can be very boring if you're not into that because sometimes we just want to escape and it's about the imagination. And so yeah, yeah. D so Dungeons and Dragons and, and Pathfinder and all these type of games, especially through an audio podcast format, offer this unique way of telling a story that evokes something in your imagination, you know? Right. And they did such an interesting job with that based on the way that they created the characters, how they led the gameplay, the music, the scenery, opening it up to this world that was created from D&D from that yeah. universe, and Griffin took it, in, and all of them, really, pushed it to this entirely different direction, where there's beach episodes, it's fun, there's levity, there's time to breathe, and then there's some serious times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's the more successful version of, um, I mean, not, not successful, maybe, in terms of broad appeal, but, you know, them making TV shows and movies out of, uh, video game stuff or or card game stuff i mean obviously there's you, there's pokemon and uh Yu -Gi -Oh that kind of just existed as tv shows to sell stuff yeah uh, yeah but you do have people and artists involved in those things that started to take it away from uh what actual gameplay was like and people wanting to just explore those worlds and kind of escape to them. It's kind of yeah. why the appeal, I think, for Pokemon still exists. And again, I'm coming at this from someone that had the trading cards, maybe saw the TV show once in a blue moon, but really never played the video games and didn't mm -hmm. have that much interest in it. You still wanted to be in this world. Right, but I see like I would argue though even with like D&D &D and Pathfinder and these these mm -hmm. RPG games, they're mediums. 
They're not dictated mm. fantasies in a sense. Yeah. Of, there is a lore built to them only to drive the game for players who didn't know what was going on. It's a system. It's a it's an it's a system built on dice rolling and encounters, and it could be applied to anything. That's why you got so much homebrew out of it. You got all of these mm. new games that came away from it, right? It doesn't have to be yeah. fantasy. It could be it could be real life, and some games are real, like in set in our modern world, right? The fantasy yeah. element is that you're taking on the role in this imaginary experience, and the dice and the numbers and the the, the character sheet process is driving the game. So right, right. that I think with like, like contrary to something like, I mean, I, I know it started off similar because you needed the kit and you needed the books like you did with Pokemon, like you do with like um, a Yu-Gi-Oh or these type of, the, even Star Wars for lack of a better term more recently where it's about selling merchandise, right? But, right, right. Whereas Yu-Gi-Oh is just about screwing the rules. All right. <laughs> but yeah. It, it, I don't it, like to be touched by people who don't have money. But Yugs, you gotta, you gotta go to defeat. I never, should I don't we, remember what he said. Should we call the like. cops on this guy? <laughs> We're in Japan, Mokuba. Your card <laughs> games are the only law. <laughs> oh my god, Yu-Gi-Oh was lawless. But, but like, it is. That was one of the things I was so captivated with. You know the, um, you know the Adventure Zone is that I'm enjoying this experience. Mm -hmm. through an imaginary medium in a sense because yeah. i'm not playing yeah. the game i'm not invested i'm listening to them tell a story in a yeah. kind of unconventional way that allows for me while i drive to school or work to escape and mm -hmm. it's fun in that way because now i control what things look like in my head right i see the yeah. image conjured up by their voices and what they describe it's not necessary not that i'm arguing that's the only way we should die to, to dissect media or digest media but that these type of games, these ways of experience, I think all lead us to the desire to escape into something other than our own world. And that can be really exciting. And it can also be kind of dangerous or depressing, depending on what it is. But ultimately, mm -hmm. it's that experience we strive for. So whether that's as serious as Game of Thrones, that will, you know, that ultimately goes in a completely different path, or something more lighthearted and fun that maybe we haven't seen yet. Or it's as absurd as Elden Ring, where you have to face off against foes that are, you know, six times your height, and it just exists, and you just want to suffer yeah, yeah. for fun. So, yeah, to the, each their the own. The takeaway is, I, I think I think Steppenwolf said it best mm. um, in Magic Carpet Ride when they said, fantasy will set you free. Mm. I agree. Close your eyes, girl. Look inside, girl. Let the sound take you away. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Well, I hope some people pick up uh, some t-shirts from the museum gift shop uh, and work them into their uh, cosplays for uh, the <laughs> next Uncanny Valley LARPing convention. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You think we'll ever get cosplays of ourselves? Hmm. Hmm interesting thought um <laughs> you know <laughs> something to uh, consider you think people will cosplay the tour guides of the ucm oh yeah no that's 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 somebody's that's that's somebody's favorite thing that's that is that is a it, it's i i don't know have have people cosplayed as people any... cos people cosplay the mcelroys Yes, but they do. Well, they're caricatures, they do, I they, guess. They do the they do their 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 characters in the D and D games, right? No, 
No, no, no. Oh. They've done some of their bits from Mabim Bam or the TV show. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like the characters yeah. is one thing because it's not them; it's their characters. Right, but, yeah. right. When like when Griffin's wearing that top hat. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um. I. You know what? I could see it. Maybe we need maybe. to get a. Maybe we need to venture into visual at some point. At some point, um, maybe. Give, yeah. give give the people something to work with. For uh, sure. Although I guess Welcome to the Night Vale has cosplayers without it. Yeah. You know. It's true. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, all right. So possibility, I guess, in the Possibil- future. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of, of possibility in the future, if you can imagine such a thing. Um what have you got going on, Joe? Um at this point, not too much. I think the exhibition that I was a part of at the Herder Gallery is closing or is closed at that point. Uh thank you all who went. Uh, yes. I feel like I haven't plugged the Midnight Drive in a while. I was just looking at that recently, an audio work of mine. So feel free to check that out on radiopepesse.org. Mm-hmm. It's been out for like a year, I feel like, at this point. Yeah. Um, and I hopefully will have some news soon. So until then, stay tuned. But uh, Zan, what do you got going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, am kind of uh, wh- waiting for uh some other stuff to get confirmed uh but yeah totally listen to the midnight drive put it in your car uh drive aimlessly through the night um Mm. listening to it uh as far as me um my show has a title uh for uh may 23rd when it opens uh my my thesis show that i'm a part of um it is called a year in 10 days Mm. um so yeah, uh, my work will be there, and you can go and see it there, uh, nice. at the Tufts Medford uh, campus. Um, and uh, yeah, nothing else uh, to say with any certainty just yet. Thank you to the Studio Public House for having my work up for the In Bloom show. Um, probably uh, another show there soon. So fun to exhibit with those guys. Uh, if you'd like to follow the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. Uh, feel free to reach out to us, interact with us on there. Let us know what you like. Send us uh, factoids. We love getting them. We love those. We love suggestions. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you again to uh, the guests that we have had over the past uh, month that have been so fun. Um, yeah, and let's see, let's see. If you want to find uh, me, I am at Xanasaurus on Instagram and at Zanford E. Man on TikTok. And I'm at Joe Semino Art on Instagram. Oh, and you can also find me and my stuff uh, at zanpeters.com. And you can find my work as well at my website, joseminoart.com. Yes. Find us, leave us a rating and review, uh, and we'll see you next week. From the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye. Bye. Bye.